This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 348 with Priyanka Raha. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, as well as any discount codes from our sponsors, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 348. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. After a successful 15-year career in the tech industry and noticing the amount of exposure her two young boys were giving to their tech devices, Priyanka Raha took her passion for technology and her children's futures and launched her startup, Pop Smart Kids, in February 2018. With Pop Smart Kids, she is driving the mentoring over monitoring revolution and is committed to promoting digital citizenship and responsible online behavior. In June 2019, the company will officially launch PopSmart Write, an interactive learning tool for children to create stories through writing. Priyanka holds a bachelor's degree in engineering and an MBA in strategies and systems from Purdue. She has worked and lived in nine cities across India, U.S., and Europe before settling in Seattle, which she now calls home. A core member of the Female Founders Alliance and other female founder communities, she is a zealous supporter of women founders and women in tech. This year, she spoke about mindful and meaningful tech at the Women in Tech Regatta in Seattle. Listen in to hear Priyanka share how to shift our mindset around technology to be about mindful integration instead of a sense of constant invasion, how to use technology as a magic wand to support your child's emotional development and create good global citizens, 
how to use technology to open up communication rather than shut it down, and how to play the role of the mentor of technology and the use of technology versus the constant monitor and manager of your child's technology use. I'm so excited to introduce you to Priyanka. I think you're going to learn a thing or two. And regardless of the age of your kids, there's some notes to be taken here. And this is a really interesting reframe of the use and evolution of technology in kids. So I think this is going to be a fascinating conversation. And I think there's going to be some actionable tips that you can apply right away. So it is my honor to introduce you to shameless mom, Priyanka Raha. Priyanka Raha, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you, Sarah. I am excited to be here as well. This is going to be fun. So we met in an event. In my mind, it was like two months ago, but it was probably closer to a year ago, maybe. (laughs) But we met at an event and had the opportunity to talk. We were actually at a business event for women. And we were talking about how relationships are the true currency. And this is a mutual mentor of ours. Melody Berenger talks about this a lot. And I love that I've seen you get more deeply involved in this space in the Seattle area, in the women in tech industry, really connecting with other women and other entrepreneurs in having our relationships start on the people level before we take it to all the other levels. Yes, absolutely. I know I remember that. And same goes with me here. I kind of have it in my head that it's been just a few weeks back, but I know that it was sometime last year. But I so vividly remember that whole discussion. And I truly believe that at the core of everything else, it's uh, humans as we are, we crave for connection. And so relationships are at the core of everything. And I think we have come to accept that it's not just personal relationships, even in your professional life, in your career, it's those personal connections, it's those relationships that takes you far. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And like really setting that as the groundwork for everything. I think it lets us all start from a better place and a more positive place, which I think is important in, like you said, professionally, but also even in motherhood, right? Um, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life, speaking of beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. Oh, I love to talk about this. It's a big question to to kick it all off. (laughs) Yes, yes. But I am excited about a couple of things in my life right now. One is definitely I want to see my company, Pop Smart Kids, kind of take its wings and fly. I am looking forward to growing this. And I really am digging deep right now to see how I can add more value to the parents. And we can kind of dive into that more later. But having said that, I'm also enjoying seeing my children grow and being an entrepreneur and being a mom, I always joke about this to my friends. It's like Pop Smart Kids is my third child, and I have two boys, eight and five, and I'm really enjoying this time with them. Just the conversations around dinner tables, the conversations in the car. I'm loving seeing them and watching them grow, kind of the things that they say. I am a storyteller at my heart, and kind of going back to the point where you said about relationships and human connection. And I feel those are really the important things that tie us all together. So kind of finding that storytelling piece being the core of my personal relationships and also what I have found in my professional career to take that forward is really exciting for me right now. Oh, I love it. So your boys are five and eight. My son is six and a half. And oh my gosh, (laughs) watching them become stories. Like I like telling stories and I like, I mean, this is how we walk to school and this is how I like kill time to walk to school as I tell any stories, many of which are made up. 
And yeah. now he's starting to tell stories. And it is so funny. And I totally agree with you about like the dinner time conversation and how that's evolved over the years, where I used to dread dinner with like a dinner with a three year old was not fun ever. But now it actually is fun. It's so great. Yes, I love kind of getting involved in stories with them. But I also love sometimes we still have a monitor, the boys share the room. And I love hearing them over the monitor they having conversations with each other. And it's just so much fun. It's just, yeah, it's hilarious. That is so cute. And I love that you still have a monitor because I wanted to have a monitor in my son's room for like his whole life. And and my husband, when he was, then he was probably close to five. And my husband was like, I think we can take the monitor out now. Like he's across the hall from us. But I was the same way. Then he lays in bed and talks to himself constantly. And I would love to listen to it. And so I was like, I like to hear like everything. Like if he's going to tell his stuffed animals a story, I want to hear it. And my husband was like, this is just weird. <laughs> so That is so cute. I uh, love that you do it too, though. <laughs> I love this that he uh, like tells stories to his oh. stuffed toys because I can see so many similarities because I read them stories. And so he feels like my kids, they feel responsibility to tell. Well, the younger one, the yeah. older one is a little too old for like telling stories to his stuffed animals. But yeah, I love that Vinny tells stories to his soft toys. Oh, yeah, he totally. I mean, right now he's telling the the stories of Harry Potter, which he's only read like one of the books and it's just repeating the same thing over and over. At some (laughs) point it will get old. (laughs) So funny. So I want to talk a little bit about motherhood and how motherhood impacted your professional journey. And I love that you said that your business is your third baby, because that is very, very relatable, I think, to probably most moms who are entrepreneurs and moms who have their own businesses. It's definitely relatable to me. And so I'm curious if you kind of expand on your business being your third baby and the impact motherhood has had on the building of this business. Oh, absolutely. So I have always worked outside the house, even after having kids. And so as a working mother, how motherhood has impacted me in a very tactical way is it has made my prioritization really more focused because you only have those many hours and you have to split your time between what you can do at work, when you can pick up your kids, kind of spending time with them, taking care of them, seeing that their needs are met. So that is something that I love that how I am super focused and my days are super efficient because I kind of make a very conscious effort to say, do I really need to do this? And sometimes those decisions are as simple as, and not just as an entrepreneur, but even when I had a corporate job, it would be something like, do I really need to go to this after work thing? Mm -hmm. Or do I need to actually come home and be at my son's concert or things like that? Just making those decisions. I feel like I have definitely gotten better at those and gives me a very good handle at what matters in my life right now. I agree. And it's funny, the things that where I was actually just thinking about this the other day, my son is in T-ball and the things that I basically deprioritize so that I can go to not a T-ball game, but just to T-ball practice. <laughs> like right. t- practice is like a big deal to me. And I'm like, maybe the novelty will wear off. But right now it's so fun to go see him even at practice, even when it's not a game. And so I prioritize that. I'm like, I'm not going to dinner with girlfriends tonight. And because I'm going to t-ball practice. And I feel like most of the women who are going to be at this dinner who have multiple kids who are a little older would think that's kind of ridiculous. And I'm like, no, like there's nowhere I'd rather be than at t-ball practice. Exactly, exactly. And then we get very conscious about those decisions. And then we also kind of start to accept that, you know, if you are a friend and if you do not understand this or if my work partners do not understand this, then I would have to find 
either another way to explain or find something else that works for me. Because as you get older, you have to find things that really adds value to you, that really makes you happy, just very, very simple. And I think in a big way, my kids have been really the core inspiration to PopSmart Kids. It has kind of started with watching them getting involved with their digital devices. And I love that you mentioned about the t-ball practice and it's those. And I think we start to think about like, it's not a game, it's a practice, but Mm. those moments, and even if you're not there for the whole practice, even if you're there for five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever you can make, however you can make it happen, those little moments is what he will carry through his whole life through his rest of the t-ball practice through his rest of the t-ball season and those are the ones that will actually motivate him to go stronger and to work harder at whatever he is loving to do right now Mm -hmm. and I kind of take those examples or those moments from my motherhood journey and start thinking about how these digital devices have I don't like to call it invaded because we have kind of allowed them to come in to our lives. So I would like to say like integrated. So how Mm. these digital devices have integrated into our lives. And I kind of take those examples and say, I am there for his practice, for his t-ball game or for his, so my son goes to dojo and I'm there. I'm just watching him and giving him a thumbs up and all that. So why can't I be there for the times that he's actually getting involved in his digital world? Either that could be playing a little game of Minecraft or just watching a simple video or a show. So I think those moments are the true human connection that will go a long way. And that's something that I have learned from just my motherhood journey. So I would say like, that's the big thing right now with me is my kids have been the inspiration to starting this company. I love that. So this morning on the way to school, Vinny asked me, we were talking about he said forever that he wants me to live with him forever, which I'm very open to. (laughs) So this morning we were talking about college and how I lived in a dorm when I went to college. And he's like, well, will you live in the dorm with me? And I was like, no, I can't. Like moms aren't allowed. And he was like, (laughs) he's like, no, please. Will you live in the dorm? And I was like, okay, how can I make this work? How can I? I So, but I totally agree with you about our kids seeing us show up for things. And even if it's just five minutes here and there that they see that and they have this level of trust in us and the way that it deepens the level of connection is really important and really significant. So I love that you mentioned integrating versus invading with devices, because I think that we often think of devices as something that will take away from the connection that we have with our kids rather than something that we can integrate into the connection that we have with our kids. And that's a really excellent reframe and definitely something that I haven't really given much thought to. Vinny watches movies and shows and things like that, but we haven't gotten into any of the video game stuff because I've been so nervous about the invasion. And now I'm like, oh, I need to start thinking about the integration and how you can use that for connection. And that totally changes my perspective on it. Right. And I love that you mentioned that, you know, you have not had a chance to integrate video games because I haven't either because I did not grow up with video games. Mm -hmm. So I have my friends my age who have grown up with video games and they're really like their kids are really good at playing video games because that's what their moms do. That's what their dads do. And it's not something that I have grown up with. So I play something. So sometimes to the point that I get embarrassed, like, I I don't know, I have not played those video (laughs) games. I'm not good at those. But I do play like silly games. There is one that we all love playing the three of us. My boys and I, we play this game called Fruit Ninja. 
it's an Xbox game. You just kind of stand there and just like slash fruits. And it's just super fun. And I love that you mentioned that. But my point is that whatever they're doing, it's just kind of finding time to getting involved with them. And we always keep talking about like they are getting into this little bubble with the digital devices. And my real urge or advice or suggestion would be that get in the bubble with them. Mm, See what they're doing. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. And maybe you will find the connection where they're like, yeah, my mom is interested. So I'm going to explain this, or that could be that time of bonding. It's almost like that t-ball game. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
So on your website, you say, I believe technology is a magic wand with which we can guide young adults to learn and develop social emotional skills. I get real excited whenever we talk about kids developing emotional skills, especially little boys. So can you talk a little bit more about your vision around that? Yes, absolutely. And I love this more because I love the idea. And I know we talked a little bit about wizards and witches before. And you mentioned that Vinnie is reading Harry Potter and we are big fans of like the wizarding world. So I love kind of thinking about technology as a magic wand. And I like to think of it as it always takes the intent of the human being who is holding it almost like a magic wand. Mm. So you can absolutely decide what you do with technology. And there are two ways of really looking at how technology can guide young adults is one of the ways that I like to think about it is you have to really make an effort of and this is a world that they're going to grow up in. They will have emails to communicate. They will have social media more than we had growing up. They will have those growing up. So really, at their teens, they will be introduced to this. And I think it's on us as parents to kind of hold their hand, guide them and tell them the things that they can do, cannot do to make them better citizens in this online world. I would like to tell you a little exercise that my eight-year-old and I did. This was just very recent, so fresh in my mind. So there is this text that came back from the school, and it is something that other parents can also download. It's actually on common sense education. So what we did, the little experiment was we stood in front of each other. We sat down. We were facing each other, and we spoke the text the same words. We looked into each other's eyes, and we kind of set those texts out. And then what we did was we went behind walls, so we were not able to see each other's expression or hands, gestures, and we said those same texts to each other. And we made that comparison saying, how is it different? So given like our communication, how it is an integration of meeting in person and as well as, you know, text messages and online messages, it's important to understand the importance of using words, the right words to express the right kind of feelings and how you say those, because you really don't have anything else to support your idea at that point. Right, right. So talk a little bit more about, do you remember what the specific message was that you were saying to each other? I don't remember the exact text, but the idea was about, I am going to my friend's house, I will be playing with him for 30 minutes, I'll be having pizza, something of that conversation and those lines. Okay. Okay. I mean, again, in the age of technology, there's so many opportunities for connection between parents in ways that I hadn't thought about. And I've actually seen recently some people who I follow online who post screenshots of their conversations with their kids. And often for the sake of like, look how hilarious our interactions are, whatever. But it's been an interesting lesson for me because to your point about how texts can come across and the opportunity to put emotion into that and have that be a relationship building thing versus like a check-in, like there's value in the check-in, but there's even more value in like using texting and technology and devices for emotional support and this back and forth banter. And I'm thinking specifically about a woman who was posting a conversation with her daughter and they were texting in the same house, like laying in bed, texting from their respective phones. But they had this really great, funny conversation. And it was like all these emojis and they were laughing and it was this super fun way to engage. And I feel like a lot of people would be like, well, why don't you just like go into your kitchen and actually have a conversation? But this was also another way to connect. And if you're doing it in ways that are thoughtful and intentional, it's actually a great way to build relationships with your kids. Absolutely. And sometimes it is hard for us as adults to talk about something that 
happen, which makes us really vulnerable. Yes. It helps us to put those down in words and kind of, you know, reach out to you as a friend. It's like, you know, hey, I'm feeling this way. If that's what helps you, then let it be that. And yeah. let's not force and say, oh my gosh, like, why are you having this conversation with your friend over a text message? Because that's what I can afford right now. Yes. So kind of being open to that. So that's what I mean by saying it's being mindful about the technology and making it meaningful the way that it can work. And I talk about us as adults, but just kind of think about us many years ago when you were growing up teens, there are like so many emotions going on, so many layers. And if at that point, a text message or conversations with your parents over text, if that's what helps you to kind of build that relationship to help you move further, it's great. I think that's how technology can really add value. Yes. And these are all positive aspects to it. There definitely is a piece to it that, you know, we have to warn or tell our kids or teenagers, especially who are getting introduced to social media about things that can go wrong. And that's all comes about that conscious and mindful mentoring, kind of teaching them, getting them ready or prepared for it. Yeah, we'll definitely talk about that in a minute, because I want to make sure that we address that as well. I want to also just reiterate the point that you made about thinking back to when we were teenagers. And I'm thinking back to when my mom ever tried to like have an emotional conversation with me, and I would be so annoyed, and I would shut her down. I would roll my eyes like I just did not want to engage. And I'm thinking like, if she could have sent me a text to be like, I just want you to know I love you or whatever, like all the things that she's feeling that I just was not like in the space to hear because I was an angsty teenager how impactful that would have been. That is such a gift that we have the opportunity to do that now. And especially I joke about like, if you want to talk to your teenager, take them on a road trip because you have this captive audience and they can't get away and there's no eye contact. So you can like, there's a greater chance of them opening up. But I think that a lot of that also carries over into using devices to communicate where again, talking to a parent where a teen might not be super open to an eye to eye conversation but they might be able to have a little bit more of a vulnerable conversation via text messaging or via technology. Yes, absolutely. And funny that you mentioned that because it just, while I was talking about us being teenagers and I was kind of thinking about some of those scenarios when I was growing up and it's like, you know, there were things that would happen and I would bring all of that baggage home, but I would not be ready to share those with my mom. And I just kind of right now, I kind of think back and say, if, you know, in those times I would have received something like, hey, you know, I'm here or I love you and would have come across as a text, I would not have to confront and kind of respond to that. I think I would be more open to that. Yeah. Conversation. So these are a few ways. And I think I'm really passionate about this and we can go on and on, but it's a really interesting dynamics that we are getting into yeah. these days. Yeah. So how do you want to encourage parents to be less punitive about technology use and instead focus on helping kids use technology to be good global citizens? Yes, this is definitely an extension of what we have been talking about. And I love this question. Can I just quickly start with a scenario? So yeah. think about a busy road, you know, cars are going by, buses and everything. It's a very high traffic road. And you are standing with your kid on a sidewalk and you want to cross the road. Do you ever tell your kid that, hey, you know, kiddo, this is a really busy road. So never, ever cross that road. We cannot ever cross that road. But instead, you give him tools. You teach him when to cross the road, how to watch out for potholes or how to watch out for cars coming your way. And you hold his hand for as long as needed until he is ready to cross that road by himself. 
I would like to think of this new integrated digital and physical world as that busy traffic road. And I think it's time for us to kind of get them prepared for that. Yes, this, these are the downside of technology and work with them. It's not about kind of dictating rules to them. It's sitting down with them and setting those rules for them. And in this case, I want to be open about whatever works for your family in this case. And this is where it's not about just monitoring the amount of time that your child is actually watching or having his screen time. It's about deciding what those screen times are. Is he actually building something? Is he actually watching something that could be helpful? There are multiple shows that my kid sometimes comes back. My five-year-old comes back and tells me things like, did you know that Pluto is not a planet? I was like, okay, thank you for telling me. Yes, I knew that. <laughs> I had forgotten about it. And, you know, you, you kind of start those conversations. And it's like, how did you know about it? Because he doesn't know how to read yet. And mm-hmm. we read together. But I remember we have not really got into those books where we talk in details about planets. And he was like, oh, I watched this show. And he was very interested in showing me. So we sat down and watched that for five minutes. And so small things like this can go a long way to encourage and say, you know, it is technology. It is something that you watched, but look what happened out of it. You can actually build a whole story around it. You can have a whole conversation about it. Yeah. And I love that you talk about mentoring versus monitoring and managing, because I think a lot of us think about, and I think it's on my radar right now, just because of the age of my child, having this six and a half year old where I'm like technology, we're kind of on this brink of like, <laughs> the other day, he told me he's going to ask Santa for a phone. I was like, yeah, there's no way Santa's bringing you a phone for Christmas. <laughs> but I, I think that. we're on this like brink of them really seeing how kids a year or two older integrating more and more technology. And I go to this place of feeling like I'm a little defensive and ready to police it all rather than mentoring around it. And I really, really like that distinction. I think that's really important and integrating it in ways that provide opportunities for growth rather than having this, like you can only have this for 10 minutes a day after you do your homework. And like, instead of it having to just be about a big structure or a big system of rules, <laughs> it'd be about like the opportunities that it might afford. Right. And I kind of joke about it as and I was like that. And then so all of this started when my older one got to that age when he would be allowed to have his independent digital device time. And I kind of started to see that I was getting really anxious about and I read all of this stuff online, how more than 30 minutes, more than 20 minutes. And there are like all these different kinds of times that would set and say it could get very dangerous if they do that. And to some extent, there is truth to that. Like you can really not expose a one-year-old to watching some shows for an hour, 30 minutes or any amount at all. But beyond that, I joke about it and say, do not let screen time become scream time. You know, get involved in it and just simply talk about it. Right, right. The invitation to use technology to help our kids become good global citizens just completely flips the whole notion of technology use in kids on its head. Because I think that we automatically have fears around the opposite, that if my kid gets involved in technology, like their brain's going to start rotting, they're going to be exposed to things that could potentially be harmful and damaging. We just immediately go into all these negative places. And I was looking through your website and I was like, oh my gosh, using technology to help my kid become a good global citizen? Like, sign me up. (laughs) Let's start that right now. So I totally appreciate that point and the idea of really flipping some of the cultural fears around technology upside down. 
Yes, absolutely. And I think it comes from the core of being a mother or a parent. There are other things in our surrounding that we think about it the same way. We kind of teach them about it at the corners of the table or a book. And I give the example of the book is like, you know, Godfather by Mary Pose. It's a great book for you and me, but it's a terrible one for my eight-year-old or my five-year-old. Mm-hmm. So we need to start thinking about technology. We need to bring in our kind of parental instincts to technology and say like not all technology is created equal mm-hmm. and get more conscious about it. Yep. Right. So when's a good age to start talking to our kids about technology and what are the kinds of conversations? How have you broached this with your boys and entered into their technology use? Right. So I would like to think that, you know, you never really, and I love that you mentioned about, we talked about car talks before, right? I mean, as the parent, I think car talks is one of the things that comes up very naturally as you're picking up your kids or taking that road trip. But think about like you were in a car and I have my boys in the backseat and I'm kind of telling them about the traffic signs, the traffic lights, and they're not 16 yet. They're not ready to drive. So I am kind of preparing them for when they're 16. So they have an idea about it. So I truly believe that it's never too early to talk to them about technology, really when they are ready to have conversations with you about anything around them, start talking to them about technology because discussed before, it's so integrated in our lives right now. And I know we talk about screen time a lot and digital devices being like tablets that the kids get exposed to. But if you look around, there is Alexa, which is technology, mm-hmm. and kids can talk to Alexa. It's really easy for getting involved because there is no password, there is no switching on. You just simply talk. It responds to a very basic human instinct, right? Like just You can just talk to Alexa and it will do or say things. So get involved in those conversations, make them. And this is, again, about making them understand that Alexa is not your parent. So I think it really depends on and there are two ways, right? So you really do age appropriate discussions with your kids. So one of the things that I don't talk to my five year old is about passwords and protection about how we cannot say our passwords to everybody else. But I do make sure that my eight-year-old knows that passwords are almost like your personal home address. You really Mm -hmm. don't give away, not the home address, but really the key to your main door. You really don't give away your passwords to your accounts to anybody else. And then we go into talking about like the online world because he uses something called Seesaw at his school, which is essentially... Facebook, but very controlled and his conversations are limited to his peers and classmates and his teachers. But even there, words can be hurtful. And, you know, these are like early stages of me talking to him about cyberbullying. So Mm -hmm. I can have those conversations with my eight-year-old, but I really don't get into those with my five-year-old. With my five-year-old, it's mostly about, hey, what are you watching? Or, oh, that is interesting. Can we replay that? And can you explain? And most of the times I will turn the table around and say, oh, can you tell me what happened there? Can you show me or explain to me what you watched? And it doesn't really need to happen with the digital device. It can happen like a dinner conversation. Oh, what were you watching? Mm-hmm. Oh, did you stop there? What was the story about? Can you sing it to me? Can you tell more? It's really those things that go a long way. So I'm laughing because... I love the idea of asking your kids after the fact what they've been watching and ask them to like, it's like a little reading report or, you know, a TV report and or a book report. And when Vinny's done watching TV, it's usually often when he's watching TV in the afternoon, it's usually like, I'm, 
I'll tell like, go watch a show for 30 minutes, have your snack. I'm going to get some work done. And then like, we're going to go do our thing. But in my mind, I'm like, that's a 30 minute babysitter. I never ask him after. And I usually know what he's watching. I mean, I kind of know what he has access to, or I definitely know what he has access to, but I don't know specifically what he's watching all the time within that. And I never think to ask him about it afterwards. <laughs> Sometimes he'll tell me, but I'm not like, oh, tell me about that. And what happened? Tell me more. I'm more like, thank God I had a babysitter for 30 minutes. <laughs> and that's something that as a working mother, we all do. And I want, I really encourage my friends, parents out there to feel less guilty about it. Yes, yeah. go ahead and use that screen time as a time to keep your kids engaged. If you have to take a breath or two, you know, you have to be right. whole yourself to, I love that you mentioned, you know, go do your thing for 30 minutes and I'll go catch up on emails or whatever I need to catch up on. And then we will do our thing together after 30 yeah. minutes. I want everybody to feel less guilty about it, but yeah. there is a mindful or conscious way of doing that. Definitely. Definitely. So let's talk about some ways that we can teach our kids to be respectful of others online. We've kind of dipped into this a little bit a couple of times already, but what are your thoughts on this and where can we go with it? Because this is what scares me is <laughs> the cyberbullying. And like we talked about already, like just words being misconstrued and feelings being hurt and that getting to dangerous levels. This episode is supported by Mysteries About True Histories, a podcast for your kiddos. So from the creators of the hit podcast, Who Smarted? And Netflix's Brainchild comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning cool. This podcast is perfect for ages six and up, and new episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. I love a show where, as a parent, you're like, hey, let's listen or watch this or whatever. And your kids are thinking they're like getting extra device time or what have you. And you're like, they're learning right now. So it feels like such a big win. So I want you to go check out Mysteries About True Histories wherever you listen to podcasts. You can tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast. So go check out Mysteries About True Histories to listen in and have some fun with your kid while they learn today. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. Absolutely. No, this is something that, again, comes in the realm of more mentoring and 
definitely some amount of monitoring. I, you know, really encourage parents to keep an eye on. Like, I love that you mentioned, I absolutely know what shows you're watching. Like, you don't know exactly which shows, but you know what he's watching. Like, you have a general idea. I know what he has access to. Yeah. And yes, exactly. And that's something that I want all of us parents to be aware of. But there's also a piece of mentoring, kind of telling them about how words can be hurtful online and how to use the right words and also getting them prepared to be on the receiving end of it. If, you know, something like that happens, if someone comes up and tells something that is rude, what are the steps you can take? And I talk about this to my eight-year-old more than my five-year-old because he is already getting introduced to some of these concepts as he has that account online. And he will post something about his project and there will be kids who will either comment something or write something. And then we talk about how... If you wanted to say something, how would you kind of write that? It's also getting them prepared about text messages. Sometimes I've gotten into situations where I have, and this is talking to other parents who have older siblings, like who have kids who are already teenagers. And there is this piece where you have not received a text message back in certain amount of time. And that makes you feel very anxious. Mm -hmm. That is not cyberbullying, but that also gets into, and I know that May is Mental Health Month, and there is a lot of conversation online about that. So do not take that as a sign of someone ignoring you, but that could be as simple as someone is either busy taking a nap or just having dinner with his friends. So getting your teenagers ready for that is absolutely essential. It goes both ways. Yeah. Now you're giving me more things to worry about. No, I'm just kidding. I hadn't even thought about, like, I thought about the very direct cyberbullying stuff that's like really clear and obvious, but I hadn't even thought about a kid sending a message, sending like an invitation, like, hey, do you want to come over to my house this weekend? And then not hearing back and interpreting that in a million ways that would be potentially painful to the child who's waiting on their friend and internalizing, you know, making up stories in their head basically about what that means. And yeah, I can see where it really comes down to conversations around like self-worth and confidence and like all these things that I'm talking to moms about all the time in the context of like a mom's Instagram account or a Facebook (laughs) group or whatever. I mean, it comes down to really a lot of the same things where, I mean, first of all, teaching them to be respectful in terms of like, if someone sends you a message, reply, you know, reasonably promptly. If someone doesn't reply, that can mean a bunch of different things. And also if someone doesn't reply or someone sends you a message that doesn't make you feel good, how can you make sure that you feel good enough about yourself that that doesn't compromise your mental health? It doesn't compromise your confidence or your courage to move forward or to show up at school the next day and those kinds of things. Yes, absolutely. And this is not even as parents, sometimes it is Bullying is hard enough to keep an eye on and cyberbullying is harder because once you get to that age where you're exposed to social media as a teenager, there are like walls around you. There is very less that comes beyond those walls as parents or mentors or teachers for us to be able to see what's happening. So I think making that space available, acknowledging that, Mm -hmm. and that's again, kind of going back to your previous question about when do you start talking to your children about technology? And this is exactly what you do with your community. It's just talking to them. So you start talking to your kids early enough that they know that you will be there when they need you in this digital world. When something goes awry or something goes wrong, when they really need that support, you need to build that trust, not just in the physical world, something that happens in the online world. They should never think, 
but you know, this is like a different world. This is Snapchat. This is Instagram. My mom doesn't know. She doesn't support my being on the digital world. So I cannot really go to her with my problems. Yeah, that's a really great point to really let them know that we want to be supportive of them and their identities in all spaces. <laughs> and so whether that's on a basketball court or in a classroom or at home or in youth group or on Snapchat. <laughs> yes. I think that's really valuable. So let's talk a little bit about monitoring and how we can teach kids to be safe in online spaces and how can we monitor and in what ways can we monitor? So Really early on, there are, and this is again coming back to technology really gives us tools to help us do a lot of monitoring these days. There is essentially Screen Time, which is an app that Apple has. So if you have tablets that are iPads or if you have a phone and that can really help you keep an eye on what is the amount of time that you are spending on social media. And these are more related to older kids who really have an online presence or are exposed to social media. But even with younger kids, when they're doing as simple as watching something online, there is something called a YouTube Kids. And we all know how YouTube is. It's just an open platform for everybody to add whatever videos you want. YouTube Kids, on the other hand, is extremely curated and has videos that are only meant for kids. So that can essentially be used for allowing your younger kids to watch. And that comes in the realm of monitoring. And there is that piece of physical monitoring as well. You just kind of, yes, I need, and I do this shamelessly a lot (laughs) of the times because, you know, as kids, they get sick, they hurt themselves, they have to stay at home and they are watching something. So I am not there all of those one hour or 30 minutes to see what they're watching, but I would just pop in for a minute and say, hey, what's that you're watching? And just kind of physically keep an eye on what they're doing. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. What about when they get a little older? Like at what age? And this is like a big question. It probably has a lot of variables. How do we kind of define criteria around like less monitoring, letting them have more freedom, like letting them have technology in their room and not in like community spaces? Like right now, Vinny's technology use is all like right in front of me. (laughs) And so he's not like in his room with a door closed with an iPad. And so how do we gauge when we can give them more freedom and more spaces and places to have fewer boundaries around technology. So there are two ways of looking at it. I love that you mentioned that, you know, Vinny is right now not behind closed doors. So my older one who is eight is not behind closed doors yet, but he's getting into that space where he is really interested in getting in online spaces. So he loves Minecraft. He loves building. And up until now, he had his own account, which is just his personal account. It's not exposed to the online space, but his friends have really online accounts where they actually in the digital Minecraft world, they interact with their other friends. And so he is curious on getting in there. So a lot of that starts today when we set him up on that online account. And most of it starts by just conversations like, why do you want it? Who are your friends? Do you know there? Because we all get really creative with our names online, right? And kids, <laughs> kids are far more creative. So I, I would can, imagine. Yes. So I would actually go and ask him like, well, let me sit down with you and set up your online account. And I would love to see what your friends' names are. Mm-hmm. Because kind of explaining to him that you really don't want people you don't know to come and 
so you kind of find out things that he loves and you just ask him to protect what he loves. So he loves the Minecraft world. So he builds cities in Minecraft. So he loves that. He loves to preserve those cities. He has different cities that he has built out. So I would go and tell him, like, you really don't want a stranger coming and destroying your cities online. Like, if you open up your account to that online space, it just means that you have to be careful about who your friends are and who you're allowing. So we need to know what their exact names are in the Minecraft world so you can actually allow them. Because if you allow a stranger, he might just come and destroy this beautiful cities that you have built and now it's just wasted effort and now we are all upset about it so having like those matter of fact conversations having those matter of fact conversations is how we start Mm -hmm. and this is a scary thing to go with i haven't even thought about like how do we manage when he is a young adult and he is like on his digital device and it comes from a very maternal instinct right Right. how do i protect him like how do i protect him yes what are the things i can do And it scares me because he has already started talking about when can I have a phone. So I love that (laughs) Vinny is expecting to deliver a phone. And so my eight-year-old is already, can I have a phone? And then we get into those conversations. What would you use your phone for? And um, when he gets to that, it's more about finding out what he needs the phone for. Is it for music? So what I have come to realize is that he needs a phone for music. I have told him I'll give him my old iPod, which is like, yeah, I don't know if we remember this <laughs> before phones could play music. Yes, yes. My husband has like probably 10 or every version of the old iPod. And I recently was like, do we still need these? And he made the point of like, yes, because then he can use them for things because they're not phones. <laughs> exactly. So I told him that I will kind of charge it, set it up for him so he can have his music. It has music that I love and I'm pretty sure he doesn't want to hear those. But <laughs> But just kind of having those conversations and there will be a point when he will need it for just making calls. So I truly believe that kids this young, even if like, say, a year later from now, he gets a phone, he's not ready to have Internet on his phone. Right. So that comes in the realm of monitoring. Right. Like he doesn't need Internet on the go. He can go to his class. He has a laptop in his class and he has access to the Internet if he wants to research something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yeah. I think something you said a minute ago made me think if we just lead with curiosity and ask questions. When you said if he comes and says like he wants a phone, then you say, oh, well, what did you want a phone for? And then you can kind of get to this underlying that do you want a phone? Like if you want a phone for music, I can find you music a lot of different ways. Like let's fix that. I can solve that really easily. Or do you want a phone because everyone else has one? And like there's a lot of different reasons. And I think sometimes our mama bear instincts go to this place of like, you can't have that because I'm scared or, you know, we go into protective mode. And if you find out the other underlying issue of why they want it and what they're looking for, sometimes you can address that in different ways and kind of prolong taking things to the next level in terms of what they need to have access to. I know that we have a couple of babysitters who are in the seventh grade, I think seventh grade, and they have phones where they only have the capability of texting and calling, I think, but like no internet. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that this was even a thing until recently. I was like, oh, that's perfect like i just assumed if you had a phone and you were a kid you had access to like everything <laughs> right that's this, I was like, oh, such a relief yes yes absolutely there are different ways and it's a learning in progress and i think as parents it's a learning for us it's a lot of research for us to go in and this is a really interesting dynamics here and everything else 
teaching them how to eat, how to hold their fork, how to walk, how to run, how to play baseball. It's something that we have all done. And if you think about technology in the last 20 years, the number of internet users has gone up from 1% to about 89% today in the whole world. So we are still grappling with this idea, with this new world. We are still learning. And a lot of this, and you kind of were on point when you said that leading with curiosity, because a lot of the times it is curiosity for us too. We need to learn about what are the ways that are available. And there are ways that you can set up that, like you can have access to text and you can call like a couple of numbers and it could be yours and a few of his friends. So you can create those boundaries and these all come in the realm of monitoring. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good stuff. Okay, so I want you to tell us about Pop Smart Kids. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing with the company and how people can connect with you and reach out and kind of continue this conversation over there with you. Oh, absolutely. I am super excited. And I started the beginning by telling how I love telling stories, how storytelling is key to human connection and of all of us being human beings and in the civilization. So I am very excited that at Pop Smart Kids, we are getting ready to launch our collaborative storytelling app, which is called Pop Smart Write. Ooh, fun. Yes, it is coming in June. It's in a private beta right now, which is more like on a testing platform, but it will be available on iTunes and Google Play Store in June. And I would love if you want to play around with it, please visit my website, which is popsmartkids.com and sign up. You cannot miss the sign up button. It's right there. So sign <laughs> Prominently up. displayed. Prominently displayed at sign up and... Oh, as soon as this. we are on there, we will we'll send you an email about it. Yay. And uh, yeah, I'll have your website linked up in the show notes. This episode will go live in June, I believe, near the end of June. So we'll make sure that we can talk when we're done recording here and make sure that we have it set up so that this interview goes live when people can actually access that. I think that would be perfect. Um, oh, wonderful. Yeah. And okay, last question. I want to know in what ways you are currently showing up as a shameless mom. Oh, I love that. <laughs> And I think I touched up on a little bit before. And I would love to bring up something that happened this Sunday is as we were out and about on Mother's Day, my five-year-old fell face forward. He hit his face and he's okay now. We had to get him liquid stitches or glue and oh he's fine, but he couldn't go to his preschool. So he stayed at home with me, which was, as we all know, as mom's parents, which was wonderful and and hard. Like, and hard. And <laughs> I was trying to find the right word. But, so it was definitely hard and challenging. But I had a deadline. So I had to really get to work on Tuesday. And I took him with me. And I had a couple of people who asked me, like, oh, is he okay to go out and about? I was like, he is the safest with me. I'm the mama bear here. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, I so love that. He, yeah, I took him with me to work and he had such an exciting time. He kept bragging about it. It's like, I went to mom's work and he was just like, yes, it was a very busy day for me. And he got ready in the morning. He packed his bag with, he has a little art kit. He loves to draw and he also loves to watch. So I shamelessly let him watch while I caught up on work at my workplace. He was but at the same time, I kind of want to tie it back and say, 
I wasn't much concerned about the amount of time that he was watching rather than I would pop in and say, hey, show me what you're watching. And it seemed like he was watching other kids building Lego airplanes. And then we talked a little bit about, hey, do you want to go home and build this? Are you watching to learn? So, yeah, I encourage everyone to get less concerned and parenting is hard as it is. Let's let's make it easier. Yes, yes. Let our inner critics quiet down a little bit. I love that example. And I love whenever we can let our kids, especially letting our kids see us as women be in powerful places and be independent and strong and, you know, sharing our gifts with the world. I think it's so, so impactful. So I love that you took them with you. That's such a great example of being a shameless mom. Priyanka, this has been so fun, really insightful. I've definitely, I'm walking away with some ahas myself. So I'm excited to get this episode out and share Pop Smart Kids with the world. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much. It has been really exciting and I loved speaking to you. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be Shameless Mom of the Week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. 
If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.